This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. When Brad Rubendale came out as gay, he was fired from his job as a pastor. He lost stable housing and relied on social services, like Colfax's favorite pay-what-you-can restaurant, Same Cafe. Now, almost 10 years later, he's Same Cafe's executive director. You know, I have energy and a cool story and really nothing else. Like, I can't cook. I can't. (laughs) I don't have any money. But I can talk about this, and then others have time, some have access to money, and all of us together are able to make this beautiful mission happen. Same Cafe is celebrating 15 years in business this fall, which would be an achievement for any restaurant. But for pay-what-you-can restaurants, it's almost unheard of. Today is Monday, November 8th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Brad Rubendale, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So, Brad, for folks who might not know, can you explain how Same Cafe works? Absolutely. Same stands for So All May Eat, and we are a participation-based restaurant is how we, we say it. So folks can participate by either volunteering for a meal, donating what they can, or giving produce in exchange for a healthy, locally sourced, made-from-scratch meal every morning. Our menu changes every day so that that way if it's someone's only or their primary source of nutrition, they can get something fresh every day. Uh, and we also are – we have – Almost all of our produce is donated from local farms and gardens. And then we have a chef and some cooks on staff who actually make it into delicious, incredible food. So let's dig into that a little bit more because I'm thinking of walking into your restaurant for the first time and kind of being like, so how do I do this? Like, how do I order? How does it work? Where do I sit? What do I, what do, I do? So you come in and you order off of the menu And there's always two soups, two salads, and two pizzas on the menu. And you can just order what you'd like, or you can get a sampler of everything. Honestly, I often get the sampler because I don't want to miss out on one of the flavors that may never come back. And then instead of prices, we have a participation board is what we call it. So it just says at Same Cafe, you participate for your meal. And it has the three options, volunteer, donate what you can, or give produce. And then we don't even have a suggested donation. It's just a transparent budget that kind of shares how much it costs us to deliver the meal. And that way you choose how you want to participate. You sit down, you enjoy your meal. And then if you want to volunteer, you come back up and sign in to do that. Um, If you want to donate, you can type in how much you want to give with a credit card and then just swipe your card or drop some money into a box. I'm curious what the breakdown looks like in those different forms of participation. Like I can imagine a world where a lot of people are donating more than the meal costs just because they love the food or appreciate the mission. 
It doesn't. So we actually are a great nonprofit and a really terrible business <laughs> because we lose money with every meal that we serve for the most part. And we like it that way because it means we're serving mostly folks who are experiencing food insecurity. And food insecurity is a is kind of a bigger issue than just those experiencing homelessness or extreme poverty because food is the first thing that people stop paying for when they run out of money. Mm. And so we, you could be food insecure for an afternoon if you don't have your paycheck yet. Yeah. You could be food insecure for decades um, that leads to all kinds of issues. So food insecurity is one of those kind of immediate things that you can just choose to not spend money on food or you spend less money and often the options are not good for you. So we same was started with the idea of kind of addressing that issue. Um, I would say that about and at last count, uh, we had about 80% of our guests that are experiencing food insecurity. And then 20% of the guests who do what you just mentioned, they kind of will pay a little extra because they love the food or just come in and pay, you know, cover the total cost of one meal. And that's kind of the way that we like it set up. So I'd say that most of our guests pay less than our average donation or even certainly less than what it costs us to produce it. And then we also have quite a few guests who will volunteer for their meal as well. But there's no, it's not a thing you notice when you come in. You just, everybody's eating. It doesn't. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's not segregated no. in any sense of the word. In fact, that's really central to what we do is that you genuinely have no idea what anyone else's situation is in there. And we want to yeah. make sure that you just come in and you're treated just like a person. In fact, I was talking, um, I was in there having a meeting and this woman kind of interrupted my meeting and she's like, are you the boss? And I was like, well, I don't like that term, but sure. And she started crying and she said, this is the only place in my world where I get to forget that I'm homeless. Mm. And I started crying because actually, I don't know if you heard this part, but I was homeless myself and I went to Same Cafe as a guest during that period of my life. And I remembered that specifically because one of the really special things is we have an opportunity for everyone to both participate in a community and give back to their community. Um, regardless of what your socioeconomic background is. You know, it's not just rich people that want to give back. It's also people experiencing challenges. So we have an opportunity to volunteer and give back to a mission um, without money. That's so interesting. So I, I, you touched on something I did want to talk to you about. So you took over the cafe in 2017 after the original owners, uh, Brad and Libby Berkey, moved to Florida. And you've experienced food insecurity yourself um, is that what led you to wanting to step into this role or wh what brought you to to taking over this restaurant? Yeah, I have such a weird life. You know, I was a pastor <laughs> for many years, actually, and I got excommunicated and fired when I came out as gay. And it made I experienced homelessness myself for about nine months, actually. And I lost access to healthy food. And the interesting thing there is I actually gained about 35 pounds during that period of my life because you can get food, you just can't get healthy food. And I have hypoglycemia, so I have to eat regularly. So food insecurity very seriously affected me whenever I was food insecure for that year and a half until I got stable again, and certainly during the nine months of my own homelessness. You know, I also have to own my own privilege. I am an overeducated white guy. And so the world is basically built for me to succeed, even though I'm also gay. And so um, I was able to get my feet back under me in the nonprofit sector. I had worked with Urban Peak, a youth serving homeless shelter. Um, and I had worked with CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates. And then I had done some fundraising and I got another master's in nonprofit management, all with the goal of trying to 
I wanted to run a nonprofit eventually. And then I saw that Brad and Libby were leaving. So I called them because I know I knew them at that point. And I was like, I really want to run this place. And uh, the board took a risk and they let me take over. And it's been a hell of a ride since then, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and having the personal connection to that mission is something that I wish every nonprofit had that experience because we are, I've been on both sides of that counter and I know what it feels like to be my version of homeless and my version of food insecure. And so at, it informs every decision that I make as the leader now. So much of what makes Same Cafe special, it sounds like, is the community. So I'm wondering, how did you all manage to maintain your community through the pandemic? Oh, gosh, it was crazy. We had a <laughs> we went immediately to fully to go and serve stuff off of our patios. I will be I'm so proud of our team. We never missed a single day of service for the entirety of the pandemic and the shutdown. We uh, immediately switched the next day to fully to go. We ended up seeing twice, three times, four times the numbers that we were seeing originally, right when that started. We also, because we were not dependent on revenue in the restaurant for money and for operations, we're dependent on donations. It allowed us to actually ramp up our operations rather than kind of, you know, shut down. Um, and so it was really a beautiful situation. We were able to serve more people than we've ever served. We ended up seeing a bunch of restaurants who were closing and sort of through tears, donating all of their product to Same Cafe so that we could turn it into meals for people experiencing challenges. We had um, incredible generosity with our donor base where they were like, how many are you serving? Let's help you out here. And so we ended up able, we were able to really fill a gap there um, and it was beautiful. And also kudos to the staff because they changed the model of Same Cafe at least seven times in 2020 <laughs> because they went fully to To meet go. the need. Yeah. yeah. And then we went to seating on the patio and then seating 20% inside and then 50% inside. And it was just everything was in flux and they met it with a smile and a delicious meal. So um, I read a 5280 uh, piece um, about same cafe and and something that was mentioned was that you underwent renovations to give the space a more trauma-informed design what is a trauma-informed design what does that look like in a restaurant so you'll have to come by the restaurant um, and try it out anyone who's listening come into same cafe have a meal it's for everyone we also have gluten-free vegan dairy-free nut-free options so if you have a food allergy of some kind um but what I wanted to do specifically was to do a few things related to accessibility. We needed to lower a counter for folks that are in mobility devices. We smoothed the floor for folks that are in mobility devices. We also changed the layout of the bathroom so that it's more accessible. So those were just sort of the basic accessibility pieces. But then we also wanted it to feel very warm and inviting and upscale, but not out of reach. Mm. Every single thing that we did, every decision, design decision we made was centered around what would it feel like like to be fill in the blank here. So like, what would it feel like to have been institutionalized in a hospital or in a prison? Um, and so in restaurant design, those metal chairs are kind of all the rage right now, but that reminds one of what it would be like in a prison. We also have a little board at back by the bathroom that is kind of our resource wall. And so sort of like the Starbucks concept of a community wall, we put all of our resources back there so that if someone needs housing or 
uh, groceries or shoes, they can go back there and kind of pick up resources without having to talk to someone about it. And we're happy to talk if you want to, but we want to not make it where anyone in the space feels like they have to share their story to get a food, get food. Um, and so that's the central piece of it. Even our artists who display on the wall, we ask them not to put prices on their art, even though it's all for sale, because we don't want there to be anything in the space that feels out of reach for someone. And we actually just, our most recent artist, she put up a, some pay-what-you-can art. So literally anyone could come in and just volunteer or pay what they can and then grab a piece of art off of the wall that she had created. So essentially we just thought about every way that we can to reduce the amount of trauma triggers that we could have in the space, as well as make it just feel beautiful and welcoming. And I'm so proud of it. It's so fascinating because you're mentioning all of these things that are um, subtle cues in society that tell us if we're welcome somewhere or not. And if those cues all speak to you um, as like you're welcome here, then you don't even notice, like you're saying, the price tag on something or this really outdated model of like in order to get services like basic needs met like enjoying a nice meal you have to go through this process and fill this out and you know like do this whole tap dance or whatever so it's amazing that these are subtle things we can change in our everyday environments that send messages to people in better ways exactly and as as someone i love said good design is 99 percent invisible not to yeah. call out another amazing podcast but <laughs> <laughs> but i will say it's so it is true that when you interact with a well-designed space you just feel good you don't think oh i'm in a beautifully designed space it just feels good you're blowing my mind right now because I'm having this <laughs> flashback. <laughs> I've been very fortunate. I've never experienced food insecurity. Mm -hmm. But I have had moments in my life, in my adult life, where I'm not making very much money and maybe I have to meet somebody at a restaurant for a meeting. Mm -hmm. And I'm staring at the menu thinking, oh, my God, I guess I'll get a side of yep. something and then pray <laughs> they don't notice. And I never thought about that anxiety yes. being something that folks experience all the time daily. in this daily. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, I had another guest tell me just the other uh, day that basically you can't plan for your future if you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. Yeah. So imagine getting something to eat and then you don't know where the next one's going to come from. So that becomes your central focus. And there's no way that you can like dream about getting a degree or advancing yourself or getting training when you're just trying to make it from one meal to the next. And we have to eat every day. It's yeah. yeah. And then the other, you touched on it too. It's that dignity with food as well. Having a dignified food experience is something that you can pay for anytime. You get treated with respect. As long as you're pulling out a credit card or money at the end, yep. you get treated with respect. But those who are experiencing homelessness or food insecurity, they're often made to feel less than in the first place just by nature of how they walk in. And then also you have to thank someone correctly or, you know, there's all these kind of different weird barriers that we put up. And we want to, I want to feel good because I'm helping you or whatever. And we want to do away with that. I'm not helping anyone. No one is getting helped except for the ways that they help themselves. Um, but we create a system where all of us can just kind of jump in and be in it together. And that's the beautiful part. Brad, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This was really enjoyable. Same Cafe will be hosting a special celebration during their regular lunch hours the day before Thanksgiving if you want to see some of this new trauma-informed design for yourself. But it started a few years ago because there were two young women who were volunteering. They were students from a suburban high school. 
And they said, are you gonna do anything special for Thanksgiving? Or like, we never have. So they went to their student body, raised $600 for us to buy all the ingredients for a full meal, and then brought all their classmates and served the meal on the day before Thanksgiving. And so it was great because we got, we started a tradition. Do you have a favorite tradition around this time of year where you like to give back or connect with our community? Let us know your favorite ways and places to give and receive via email at denver at citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 720-500-5418. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Follow up on a story we brought you a few months ago. Looks like the Stackhouse project on West Colfax has bit the dust. Denverite reports that the owners of the shipping container condo concept couldn't nail down a final agreement with the landowners. The glorified mobile home project would have brought 62 housing units to the area, which were touted as affordable, but that aspect was debatable. By me. I would debate that. And in yet another round of Casa Bonita news, it looks like the Save Casa Bonita folks have withdrawn their objection to the South Park Bros sale, meaning Trey and Matt will most likely be the new owners. Save Casa Bonita spokesperson Andrew Novick told the Denver Post that he was not at liberty to talk about the situation, but it sounds like they have settled out of court. Check out our April 15th episode for more on the local group that was trying to save the beloved Pink Palace. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Oh, sure, random guy. I only have to pay several thousand dollars for your weirdly vague executive success program? Sign me up.